People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Hey, welcome to Kidney Talk. <laughs> I know we're here another week. Yes, yes, yes. And you know what? I'm so excited because I went to uh, the city where I'm going to get transplanted eventually, and they told me to now pack a bag and leave it by my front door. Well, did you pack the bag? Is it by your front door? It's packed. But I said, why? You know, I, they thought maybe I was having marital problems or something, <laughs> and I just needed to be ready to get out. It's so scary. I mean, actually, one time um, they called me and I didn't actually end up getting the kidney, so I had my bags packed, but they weren't ready to go. So they they just called you and said, "Nanny, nanny, nanny, yeah, we're just to can scare you come you? in?" And you know, and then somebody else ended up getting the kidney, but luckily, they outbid you. I know it's called the fire alarm. Every patient gets the fire alarm call. I get fire alarm after I eat these chili beans. <laughs> that I... It's scary though, isn't it? When you're waiting for a transplant. I tell you something. And... This is the most nerve wracking um... it's been, and you know, anytime my um, phone rings and it happens to be that area code where <laughs> I'm going to get transplanted, I get. I break out in a sweat. So nobody from Oregon is allowed to call you anymore. Is that correct? No, Unless I it's mean, a transplant center. I know, is that I, it? Know, I was checking into different places to live and everything there while I was there. And so a lot of people from the 503 area code are calling me. Wow. And, but every time it, it happens, I get really nervous because I don't know if it's the kidney or an apartment. Today, we're going to actually talk about a very serious topic. Oh, that's how to eat out in a restaurant uh, with <laughs> no. proper table manners? No, it's it's a topic that we've gotten a lot of requests about, and it's an issue that, unfortunately, people who have kidney disease have to deal with when they've been on dialysis for a while, and it's called calciphylaxis. Wow. You ever heard of that? Calciphylaxis? I love calciphylaxis. You do not love calciphylaxis. No, what, what is that? I really don't know what that well, is. Well, um, I know a little bit about it, but we have an expert today that's going to tell us more about it and what we can do to prevent it and how we can look for the signs of the beginning stages and just have a general understanding of what it is. Well, and, you know, people on dialysis, if they really need to know. But now, is it both uh, dialysis types, uh, PD and hemo? Yes, it's anybody who's on dialysis. They have to be aware of this and, and you know, really monitor their lab values. So, so today we're going to have Susan Vogel, who's an administrator of a dialysis unit. She's been a nephrology nurse forever. She won't let me tell you how long. And she's also a board member of the Renal Support Network. So she's wow. coming in and going to give us all the information about calcifylaxis and what we can do to prevent it. And, and uh, I know her control. because I trained at her unit. Her yes. unit is one of the few in uh, Los Angeles that uh, does the next stage system and trains people. And I trained there and that's where I met Sue. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Susan Vogel. And we're going to learn about that word that I can't pronounce, calciphylaxis. Calciphylaxis. Ah, love that. I hope I said it right. Well, now that I have mastered Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, how many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Let's see what my next challenge will be. It's in here somewhere. Hmm. Say this three times fast. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. 
Fistula First feels fantastic for future fitness. Fistula First feels fantastic for future fitness. Now if I only knew what that means. A fistula should be your first choice for your dialysis access. It says here, less infection and less hospitalizations. That's good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Lasts longer. Some patients have had their fistula for more than 30 years? Oy. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. For more information, please visit fistulafirst.org. Do it now. Invite all the local big dogs. We'll laugh and talk and eat. But we'll save the bones for Henry Jones, cause Henry don't eat no meat. Welcome to the show, Sue. Thank you very much for taking the time to come down and talk now to us about calciphylaxis. I do. We're here today to talk about calciphylaxis. So, so tell us, what is calciphylaxis? Well, first of all, it's a really hard disease to understand. It's a hard disease to pronounce. Really? <laughs> I know. It like You think it's like some kind of, should be like a nursery rhyme, like calciphylaxis went out with yes, somebody, exactly. but it's... Sat down by a spider. <laughs> really? And, uh, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Gel. <laughs> Luckily, it's something that's not encountered very frequently, but when it is, it's a disease that's often fatal. Oh, you're oh. kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 60 to 80% mortality rate. Wow. wow. And, you know, one of the things I think that I've understood, because unfortunately I've lost some friends to calciphylaxis, that um, people just don't understand that it can build up and then, it, boom, it hits you. So well, we're here to learn about... What is it? What is it? Tell well, me. Well, I'm, it's, I'm nervous it's a, now. It's a disease that's caused usually by people whose phosphorus is too high for too long. So if it happens in someone who's on dialysis... It's usually someone who hasn't been taking their phosphate binders, so their calcium phosphorus product is really high. So because their product's really high, they can't get the vitamin D you can get in the dialysis unit through the machine. What happens is your body wants calcium to work. Your heart needs calcium to function, and most of your calcium is stored in your bones. When your calcium and phosphorus product is too high, your parathyroid hormone goes into overtime, and you start to form these calcium deposits. You form them on your skin, you form them in the subcutaneous tissue right under your skin, and you form them in your blood vessels. And they just build up kind of like they they start to, it's like little rocks building on your vessels, exactly. Yeah. The calcium's a rock, basically. Basically, yeah. And then what happens with calciphylaxis is it shows up as these lesions or ulcers on the skin. Now, there's two kinds of calciphylaxis. There's one that's called proximal and one that's called distal. And the proximal ones are the ones that sort of happen on the stomach and on the thigh. And that's usually people who haven't started dialysis yet. And they're often people that don't have a high phosphorus level. And they don't have a high parathyroid hormone level. And I'm not sure why those occur. Ones that occur distal usually occur on the lower legs. Mm -hmm. And they're usually in the people that have been on dialysis for a long time. And don't they look, They when I've seen them, they look like little black marks starting to form, correct? I mean, that's what I've seen visually. It looks like a bruise kind of, and it's starting to turn black. Is that correct? Sometimes they look like that. Sometimes they just look like really red ulcers that show up on the legs and look redder than Does black. Does it start with itching? Because I know I've, in the past I've had itching on my stomach when my phosphorus was too high. Not really. 
No. It it's because this that's is a long term. That's because I didn't term. bathe, and that's the other. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't going to mention that yeah. to you, Stephen. Lotion does wonders. <laughs> and that's why you told me to put that witch hazel on and listerine. I know, and, and she told me to made she told me to make this concoction of like listerine and witch hazel, and I think Dijon mustard, and you know, I really got him back. And and smear it all over my body, and all it did was did I smelled like a deli. You used the Island too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. I smelled like a, a Caesar salad. And you know, if your wife shook you, you'd made dressing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I gotcha. Exactly. But no, you know what? I think my sister, who was a kidney patient, had that because she used to have lesions all over her body. I remember that, and uh, I, I, I think that's probably what it was. That could be, but sometimes people that are diabetic will just get it from scratching too, get those lesions when your phosphorus is high because they mm-hmm. tend their skin tends to break down. The calciphylaxis kind of really sticks to just those two areas of the body. Oh. So you see it mostly on the lower legs. What's happening is that part of your body is starting to calcify and it's trying to push it out and it's pushing it out through the skin from the inside. Wow, it sounds like a horror movie. It's 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 very painful. You know, kind of like that uh, you know, the alien where it burst out of the body, you know, I, I know. trying to escape out of the body. It is. One of the things that is kind of frightening is that because if you don't watch your calcium and phosphorus product and take care of this, this can kind of come around later on in life, and then you can't really fix it. Uh, you know, I take binders for each meal, but a lot of times, like, if I'm eating a snack or something, I just I forget about the binder. I mean, I'm, I'm that bad like that. I know, but it's not good for you to do that. Yes, this is the, this is what can happen. This is why it. we're talking about this. Because but I don't all drink. Of those... I don't drink diet sodas anymore with diet coke and diet no dark sodas. I don't drink that's diet sodas. That has a lot of phosphorus. And I don't drink diet sodas anymore because of this You're crazy so doctor that I know. <laughs> I think I know him, too. Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to learn more about this disease. When the feast was over, Brother Henry just kept his seat. And we served the bones to Henry Jones, cause Henry don't eat no meat. Dr. Mr. Shelton's in room three. Thank you. Mr. Shelton. Mr. Shelton. Uh, yes, doctor. What seems to be the problem today? Um, I'm having a problem not being able to sleep. Really? I also find it difficult to breathe. Can we open a window or turn on a fan or something? Certainly. Uh, let me ask you, do you feel depressed? No, I, I don't think so. But, but I do think my life is worthless, and I don't enjoy things I used to. And I feel like the whole world may blow up. But other than that, not really. That's weird. I I also have a problem concentrating. Like the other day, do you know how they get those model ships in those bottles? Actually, I will have a cheeseburger. Of course I can do the Macarena. Oh, see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mr. Shelton? Mr. Shelton! Uh, Yes, doctor. You obviously have low energy. That's amazing. How did you know? Mr. Shelton, I believe you're anemic. Actually, I'm half Irish, but my dad knows someone in Armenia. No, ar- ar- anemic. We'll give you a simple blood test and we'll run your hematocrit. It needs to be at least 33%. We'll have you back to normal in no time. Some of the medications we can give you while you're doing your dialysis. Managing anemia results in a more active, happier, better quality of life, and studies show you may even live longer. Mr. Shelton? Mr. Shelton! Nurse, patient removal, room three. Yes, doctor. 
And now it's time to ask the nephrologist. How often should I see the doctor? And here's Dr. Alan Nissenson with the answer. The nephrologist needs to be engaged in the care of patients. And if you have progressive kidney problems, let's say 30% of kidney function, you haven't started on dialysis, um, at a minimum, the nephrologist should be seeing you every quarter, about every three months, sometimes more frequently, depending on how active your problems are. If you have high blood pressure that's hard to control, anemia that requires close monitoring, or other medical complications, more often than every three months would make more sense, but every three months is probably the minimum. If you're on dialysis, the Renal Physicians Association recommends that nephrologists should visit a patient at least once a week. Now, in some dialysis units, the, the usual practice is to see a patient every treatment. In other units, it's less frequent, but we believe that at least once a week is the most appropriate, and preferably that should be with a whole team of people because the care of patients on dialysis can't be handled by one person. It needs to be a team effort with a nephrologist, a nurse, a dietitian, social worker, technician, everybody working together. And the most efficient way for that to happen is that the one time a week that you're visited by your doctor, you are visited by the whole team. And that's something that we've been doing at UCLA for many, many years, and many nephrologists uh, are doing, and I, I think is really the standard of care right now. The Ask a Nephrologist segment of this program is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition. The Renal Support Network and the Renal Physicians Association make no representations or warranties and provide no guarantees of any kind as to the accuracy of any information provided during the Ask a Nephrologist segment. We thought the chops were mellow. He said his chops were beat. Reet, we serve the bones to Henry Jones. Cause Henry don't eat no meat. He's an egg man. Henry don't eat no meat. Okay, uh, now, I, I want to know more about this disease. Now, if you get this disease, can you get rid of it or you have it for life? Is it like diabetes? Once you get it, you have it for life? Or can you do something about it or what? No, it'll either, um, either it will be cured or it will kill you. So there's no in-between? You there's, can't live with it? It's black and white with this one, I guess. This one's pretty black and white. Mm -hmm. And I, it's probably not a very nice death either. It's probably a painful death. It's very painful. Wow. Yes. Well, I don't want to get that. Um, I have actually one of my friends had it, and she's actually survived. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing because she said that she has, and she's had several transplants, been through everything, and she said, Lori, this is the most painful thing. Um, and it was just, there's so much pain in her legs. And she's 38 years old, and she couldn't drive anymore. Her her legs hurt so bad. And she was on morphine. It was, uh, you know, our heart just went out to her because, I mean, she had two young children, too. Wow. And so um, very sad. So we want people to not ever have to experience this and know what they can do so I, they I don't ever have to like, go through um, that. I you know, shingles. I, know, I understand shingles are, are very painful. I don't know if it has anything to do with shingles. But. Shingles are neurological. Oh, you're kidding. I never thought that because I know like Nixon had shingles or something. Well, he had a lot to worry about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder if George Bush is going to get shingles. 
but that's another show. That's another show. <laughs> well, what can they do to prevent it? I mean, the best thing you talked about is taking your phosphate binders, watching all your lab results. Is there anything else that patients can do? The most important thing they can do is make sure they keep their phosphorus under good control so that the calcium and phosphorus product isn't too high. When I was 13, they took out my parathyroid because they couldn't get my phosphorus level under control. So I guess that was a good thing. They knew pretty early on that if they didn't get, I could have calciphylaxis. It actually can happen in transplant patients. Oh, can it? Not can calciphylaxis happen in transplant patients too? Yes. Oh, so another is thing to worry about. Phosphorus and calcium the same thing, basically? I mean, like, so to stay away from phosphorus, you know, so some of the high phosphorus foods are like beans and stuff and whole mm-hmm. grains and, and, and the is, dairy products and, oh, and the dark sodas. Too. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I get, you know what I get mixed up is the phosphorus and the potassium. They're two different things. Yeah, yeah. because they both begin with P. Is that why you get. Them yeah, but they sound different. Phosphorus and potassium. One's pH. One's pH. Yes. Yes. So no, I, I just I, I just get you know this phosphorus and <laughs> calcium and and potassium and all that other stuff. I know so. it does get confusing. Yeah, and there's so many dietary restrictions. Yeah, I know. Kidney disease has a lot of dietary restrictions, but the thing to remember about calcium and phosphorus is they're both elements that are present in the body. Most of both of them is stored in bone. 80 to 90% of calcium and phosphorus is stored in your bones, and calcium, the other parts, in your teeth. And isn't calcium and phosphorus like a balancing act? If the phosphorus goes high, the calcium goes low. If the calcium goes high, the phosphorus goes low. Absolutely. They're what's called inversely proportional. So as one goes up, the others goes down because the body's always trying to keep that balance. And so if your, your calcium's real high, your phosphorus may go low. Is that correct? Correct. And you need it balanced or it causes all these complications. Absolutely. Kidney disease really is a balancing act. The balancing act is, is hard because I've tried to do it, you know, especially, know. you know, with tennis shoes on. Well, I know even as a transplant patient, you get, you know, some lab results in order and then something else goes out of whack. And then you try to fix those lab results and the other ones go out of whack. So yeah, it is complicated. I don't think anything is perfect, yeah, you know, because I look at my lab results. And, and, you know, by the way, they fax my lab results to me like 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, so my phone rings at two o'clock in the morning, and I think it's some kind of emergency. And I run downstairs, and it's it's your my, lab, my results. lab results. So they you want know? you to go back and dream about them. Yes, so you'll, exactly. you'll put them into your subconscious, and that's you'll just a little them. side complaint. It has nothing to do with uh, this uh, disease we're talking about, well, which I can't pronounce. Calciphylaxis. Well, you you're, said you're secondary off. hyperparathyroidism earlier. Yes, Can't you I know, say calciphylaxis? I had it written in front of me. What are some of the ways that this disease can be treated? Okay, well, the first thing you have to do is make sure it's calciphylaxis and mm-hmm. not a disease of the peripheral vascular system. So you're going to check to make sure that the person has pulses in their lower legs. If they have pulses in their extremities, then it's probably calciphylaxis. The other thing they can do is they can do a biopsy of the lesions or the ulcers to confirm the diagnosis. Once they confirm it, if it's somebody who's got an elevated parathyroid hormone level, they can do a parathyroidectomy, and that will help. Uh, prednisone. <laughs> the, 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 the words get longer and longer, harder. Longer, parathyroid. Parahypothyroid no, secondary. parathyroidectomy. Ectomy. You know. Look, we spend years in school practicing how to say these long words. I know. It's amazing. Just to impress patients that they're with all their I mean, knowledge. That, that's like super catrafragilistic expialidosis. Isn't syllables. So some of the treatment options, um, parathyroidectomy. I know I had a parathyroidectomy when I was 12. No, 13. And I guess now that was a good thing to happen because uh, 
they obviously were watching these levels and knew that my phosphorus and calcium were out of whack and I have a nice little scar on my neck. And, and not meaning to um, talk about your age, Lori, but back <laughs> then, that may have been the only yeah. treatment. <laughs> That's when they were discovering fire. I think it was close. The <laughs> yep. It, the saying was back then, when in doubt, take it out. That was really what, what was happening back then. You're right. Because that's when people's kidneys were taken out, Yeah, too. they took out my kidneys, too. <laughs> wow. Just think how much I would weigh if I had all my original body parts. More or less? <laughs> Are there any other treatments that patients may have options to? Well, they use prednisone a lot, mm-hmm. and that's been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, But, of course, prednisone has a lot of side effects. The other thing is if you're on dialysis, what often happens with these people is they retain a lot of fluid Mm -hmm. also because they're not watching their fluid. Wow. Because if if they're not going to watch their phosphorus and calcium, they're not going to watch their fluid. Exactly. So if you can get them well dialyzed Mm -hmm. and get the fluid out of their legs, it helps to heal. There's a couple of other treatments that have been used out there. Sometimes, depending upon what kind of calciphylaxis it is, they can use heparin. Okay. The other so that's a blood thinner, right? Right. Because that, does that help, like, make the blood thin and help move those little calcium rocks and maybe get them moving so they can get out of your system? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> wasn't that but a, it sounds wasn't good. that a medical but explanation? It sounded I mean... really good, Doctor Lori. <laughs> the other thing that's been a lot of talk about is the hyperbaric oxygen chambers because they're supposed to be useful in speeding up the healing process by getting more oxygen to the area. Now, isn't that what Michael Jackson does? He, like, lays in a hyperbaric chamber? Then that's not a good advertisement for <laughs> hyperbaric chambers. He does it with two little boys on each side, oh. right? <laughs> no, You're that's so something, bad. Oh, that's something else, I think. What really is happening with the hyperbaric chamber is they're getting more oxygen to the skin, so that helps the blood flow to the skin, and that helps get rid of the calciphylaxis. I would think that would be the theory. Do you think maybe they'd ever use leeches in the future or anything like that? Why not? Well, leeches I mean, was an older treatment. I mean, people used to use leeches to suck out uh, poison, you know, for blood disease. And I saw a thing on National Geographic the other day about maggot therapy, where they put <laughs> maggots in somebody's open wound Ugh. to have them eat it. It wasn't to... I was watching it during dinner, too. Can you imagine that? That would feel really creepy. It would probably feel good because, you know, you know, diseased skin itches and they probably, right. you know, c- take away the itches. The only problem is I was eating rice at the time and it was really disgusting. <laughs> you know, you two are really weird. <laughs> I, I guess one of the things that I know as a patient for a long term, sometimes you see things in your body and you just want to pretend they're not there. <laughs> I see that every time I look in the mirror. <laughs> And not just patients. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if patients are witnessing any of these symptoms that you described about the blotches, um, what are some of the self-examinations that patients should do to make sure that they don't have calciphylaxis? If their phosphorus is high, you know, so they don't get worried, what are some of the things that they can do to make sure that they're not on the road to this horrific disease? I think everybody <laughs> needs to, like, do a skin or body check. Mm-hmm on themselves at least weekly just to make sure there's nothing new cropping up there that they haven't seen before. (laughs) And I don't think that's any different with people um, who have kidney failure. So, Stephen, you just need to go to your nearest Macy's and strip and go into the dress room and do a complete circle so you can see all those mirrors. I agree with you that people should do a body check because one time, you know, I went, I hadn't checked myself in about a week Mm -hmm. and I, you know, got undressed and there was a, there was an actual cat attached to my thigh. And I never knew it you for a whole week. Oh, and I, I had no yes. idea where the sounds were coming from, the, the meow sounds. <laughs> and I started to cough up fur balls and everything. Oh, and I wow. had no idea. You had no idea. No, it was that damn cat that was attached to my thigh. 
So in short of uh, looking at your body for cats attached to them, um, you just need to look for all kinds of things. I mean, people can diagnose skin cancer. They really need to know their skin and how it's looking. And changes in color are very imperative to um, early diagnosis. You're absolutely right. So what's the message here? What's the message, Stephen? Make sure there's no cats attached to you. No, you know, check yourself, you know, regularly. People should do that anyway, especially because a lot of kidney patients are diabetics. And that's something that, as a diabetic, we are told constantly, check your feet every day, twice a day. Because I know the one time that I got put in the hospital was because I cut my foot and I had no idea I had cut my foot. I took off my shoe one day and my sock was all bloody and it got, it got infected. You just didn't have any feeling? You didn't know it was... Did not know I cut my foot. And uh, right. And another friend of mine who is a kidney pancreas transplant guy, uh, before you know he was a diabetic and um, he walked on a hot pool surface, you know, the deck of a pool and he was burning his feet and he had no idea. So oh, you wow. should really check your feet. And that's when I ended up in the hospital and they were talking about amputating my foot at the time. But uh, luckily they saved it. And, uh, you know, so I do check my feet, you know, every day. I, I should do it twice a day, but, but I do it every day. Well, thank you, Sue, so much for coming down to the studio and helping share this difficult topic of calciphylaxis. It's not a fun topic, but it's a very important topic that all patients need to know about and make sure that they get early treatment so that they don't have to deal with the serious complications of this horrific illness. So thank you so much for coming in. Oh, you're so welcome. Get off! Get off me! Hello? Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fellow to death, those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for taekwondo. Bye, Mom. This public service announcement was produced for Kidney Talk, a weekly show produced by Renal Support Network. Listen to Kidney Talk 24-7 at rsnhope.org. We thought the chops were mellow. He said his chops were beat. Reet, we served the bones to Henry Jones. Cause Henry don't eat no meat. He's an egg man. Henry don't eat no meat. Wow, that is a really difficult disease, a difficult word to pronounce. But, you know, she brought a lot of light to this. Yes, we need to know about it. I mean, really, that's what has to happen because, you know, you find out about these things and sometimes it's too late. You said, nobody ever told me about that. One thing about people who have kidney disease, we need to be as educated as possible so that we can prevent these problems. Because, you know, phosphorus and calcium building up in your body, it's kind of a silent disease. You might itch, you might not feel good in in little ways, but you don't know about these huge ramifications that can impact your life down the road. So, it's just really important that 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 you you take care of yourself and make sure that you're not missing anything. Right, and you know, and it's true because I I had the itching and I had no idea what it was, and I, then I was put on binders after that, and it went away. And then over this last holiday season, 
I was a little lax in the binders and I ate more cheese than I normally do and more dairy than I normally do. And you know, the itching came back for about three or four days until I got back on the stick and then... Started doing, taking all your meds. Taking and all doing my everything. meds and cutting down on the cheese and the and the dairy again. So, you know, luckily I haven't seen any of those lesions in the legs or anything, but that's a great sign, you know, and if you get treatment faster, I guess the more success you might have. Now I want to know, what did you do with that cat? We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.